So if you got a Bible with you, we're going to be reading from the book of Mark today. You can start flipping over, start flipping over there. <clears throat> Specifically, Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 28 through 31. Mark 12, verses 28 through 31. And I'm going to go ahead and read these. So starting in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came, and he heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all of the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. It's the word of God for the people of God. This is the second week that I'm that I'm preaching on this. Do you have a pen? Anybody? This is the second week that I'm preaching on this. Um, if you got one, because uh, it's a sermon that, or a sermon, a series of sermons, if you will, that I've wanted to preach for a while. I know y'all probably didn't get a chance. Debbie did. My wife did. Um, I know um, to hear it out at Oak Grove. But anyway, some of what you're going to hear today is a is going to be a repetition of what I preached out there. But I'm going to try to make it a lot more concise. And, uh, but I want to catch you up to speed also. The name of this sermon series I'm calling The Jesus Creed. Uh, the Jesus Creed was a book that was written, I think, about 2004. So it's, it's, it's getting on up there in age at this point. But it was written by uh, a uh, pastor and a theologian that I greatly, greatly respect. It was named one of the best Christian books of that year, as a matter of fact. And it really changed my life and it opened up my heart um, when I first read it because it is such a profound concept and, and, and idea and such a profound application in the lives of Christians. Um, so that's the title of what we're going to be looking at probably at least one more week and we're going to be using these, these same scriptures every week, Mark 12, 28 through 31. And I've wanted to preach it again for some time because here's what I believe. The more I've looked at this scripture, the more I look at the life of Jesus, the more I believe these two or three verses encapsulate and embody everything that it means to be a disciple of Christ. Absolutely everything that it means at the end of the day to be a disciple of Christ can be brought down into these two little statements given to us by Jesus Christ himself. In the Old Testament, you're going to find 613 laws 613 directives that were given to the Jewish people. God comes to earth in the form of Jesus. He lets us know what his character is, number one, but he also breaks down these 613 laws into two statements. And it looks kind of like this, love God and love others. Well, that makes it kind of simple, doesn't it? If you're loving God and you're loving others, everything else just kind of falls into place. 
But that's what this entire thing is, is going to be about. And I just want to flesh that out a good bit. I want to expand on that. But let me give you a little bit of background on where Jesus is coming from. And again, Debbie, I'm sorry. I know you heard this last week. Baby, I'm sorry. I know you heard this last week. <laughs> but check out, I want, because I think this is so cool. And I think this is so important to know where Jesus gets this stuff from. That he's just not making this stuff up. When they, when, when, when they ask him this question, what is the most important commandment? Jesus does two things. Number one, he says what? He says, love God with all, hear O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus didn't make that up on the spot. That was an old, old commandment that the Jewish people would have been very, very familiar with. You can find that in Deut Crystal, you were there last week. I'm sorry I left you out. You can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It was a very, very well-known piece of scripture. More so than that, it was a very well-known and very much practiced prayer in the Jewish tradition. Mary and Joseph would have taught Jesus this prayer from Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They would have taught him that from a young age, and Jesus would have prayed that throughout his life. It was, a, it was a sacred rhythm for the Jewish people to pray this prayer in the morning, at night, and multiple times throughout the day. So that's where Jesus gets this from. And again, if you want to look it up later, it's Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. I think it's verses 4 and 5 couple of things I want to point out to that. I don't know what kind of Bible you're reading or what kind of translation you got, but there's two things in those scriptures that are very important. First word that I quoted out of that scripture is here, O Israel. That first word is here. That word here is very important. It doesn't just mean, hey, listen, I'm about to say something. It doesn't mean, hey, listen, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. A more appropriate translation for that word here, and you can find this in some other Bible translations, would be listen. But it's not just an audible listening that this word means. When they say listen, when this commandment, this prayer says listen, it means to open up our minds and our hearts. It means take in what I'm about to say. Open yourselves up, submit to this. Take this in with the, every fiber of your being. Listen, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What does that mean, pastor? The Lord is one. It means the Lord is, is, is the Lord alone. Polytheism or worshiping multiple gods would have been very, very, very much practiced at the time this was written. God leaves no doubt about who the Lord is. He says, I am the Lord, me, the Lord alone. So I think it's very important that you guys understand what those two scriptures there mean. So they asked Jesus, back over to Mark, what's the most important commandment? Love the Lord God. He, he, oh, by the way, it's called the Shema. S-H-E-M-A. That's, that's the name of the traditional Jewish prayer. Y'all have heard me say that in other sermons before. So they asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Jesus starts off with the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he follows it up with a second one. He doesn't give them just one answer. He gives them two. And this answer would have blown their minds. This answer would have been absolutely radical. And it still is 2,000 years today, later. It would have been radical to the ears that were listening at the time. Jesus follows it up with Leviticus, Leviticus, 
Yeah, that Leviticus. He follows it up with a scripture from Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19.18. I'm going to read that for you word for word. The entire verse of Leviticus 19.18 reads this. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against any, uh, among any of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. So that's where we land in today's scripture from Mark. What's the greatest commandments, Jesus? He quotes them, the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, and also, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't know if y'all caught the very end of that scripture between when he mentions those two things. But after he quotes the Shema, he says, Love, your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, in my translation anyway, he says the other is like it. Now that may not, that may not make you jump out of your seat until you realize what it means when Jesus says, oh, by the way, the other, love your neighbor as yourself, is like it. And this was my main point last week when I preached this thing at Oak Grove. When he says that, it means the other is equal. The other carries the same amount of weight. These two commandments go hand in hand. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself are of equal value in the eyes of God. They are just as important. So yes, loving my neighbor, Lois, Aaron, Jeff, Carol, Jasmine, loving y'all is just as important to God as loving him. We're all on the same page on this. That should, that, should, that should really almost bring you out of your seat. In the eyes of God, through the words of Jesus Christ right here in Mark, loving our neighbor is equally important as loving God. Allow that to sink in. If you don't get anything else today, allow that, allow that to sink in with you throughout this upcoming week. They're not kind of, they're not, they're not, those two commandments are not a little bit like each other. They are of equal value and equal weight. But I want to point something else to you. You could, this isn't the only place in scripture that you can find this saying. Paul repeats it in the New Testament several places. Probably the most obvious is right here on my mask. Love your neighbor out of the book of Galatians 5.14. But let me show you what Paul says in that scripture. Because he verifies Jesus' own words. He verifies that this carries the entire weight of the law. Loving your neighbor carries the entire weight of all the commandments. Galatians. And y'all don't have to look at it. 5.13 and 14. And you've actually heard this scripture probably quoted a lot over these last few months. But Paul writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. And here it is. For the entire law is fulfilled in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul repeats the very words of Jesus. 
And again, I go back to what I said in the beginning. This encapsulates absolutely everything that it means to be a follower, because that's what we're called to be, followers. Jesus called followers, disciples, learners, practitioners, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to be focusing on, is what does it mean to love my neighbor? Because I know that all of us think that we love our neighbor. We're not bad people. Certainly, we all do. But we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that and ask some hard questions. I read, a, uh, I read a wonderful devotional this week that really also explains this calling. And, and I wholeheartedly agree with it. So if you guys follow the, the little Brockton UMC family on Facebook, y'all may, may have seen it. <clears throat> but the author of the devotion talks about this a little bit, but what he's talking about, again, really gets into the heart of the matter. And it is our call to love. And I know that I have harped on this and harped on this and harped on this. But it is so important to understand that being disciples of Christ, being Christians, does not stop when we accept Him as our Savior. It doesn't stop when we get our get-out-of-hell-free card. That's not where it stops. The cool thing is the rest of the story. The cool thing is that invitation that we have into His kingdom. That cool thing is learning what it means to grow in that type of Christ-like love that we're talking about. To be those types of people, those types of Christians, those Christ types of disciples that do love our neighbor as ourself. And in this devotion, this author just, just hits it right on the head, man. He says this. He says, if John 3.16, and we all know John 3.16, we can, we can probably all quote that directly off the top of our heads. But if John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should have eternal life. If that's the first half of the gospel, then John or 1 John 3.16 presents us with the second half of the gospel. And where's, here's where this comes into play. Here's what 1 John 3.16 reads. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Laying down our lives. That doesn't sound fun, does it? But that's what it looks like to love our neighbor as ourselves. That invitation, once again, to grow in that incredible, incredible love for God and for neighbor that we are called to. That incredible thing to live out the commandment that Jesus said was on the same page of loving God himself. Those are powerful words. It means we got to get rid of that selfishness. It means we got to get rid of those egos. It means we got to get rid of those prejudices. All of those inconveniences, by the way, that cross our paths every day. Jesus had some more powerful words to say about it, though. And y'all have heard me quote this before, too. But I don't think that we can quote this scripture or ingest this scripture enough. Matthew 25.
It's one of my favorite scriptures and it's one of the most challenging for me. It also shows us the seriousness of how much God takes this. And it also shows us the willingness that we are called to be able to live out to truly love our neighbors. How serious is Jesus about this love your neighbor stuff? Matthew 25, 42 through 46. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Let me back that up. I'm reading the wrong ones. 42 through 46. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and I was in prison and you didn't look after me. And those will answer the Lord and they will ask him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Or when did we see you a stranger or needing clothes? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and not help you? And he will reply to them, truly I tell you, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And I don't know about y'all, but I just got chills. That's the type of love that we are called to embrace and to live out in our daily lives. And we can argue about this scripture all day long. And those, those, those arguments have, have gone on for, again, 2,000 years almost. But at the end of the day, this carries a lot of weight in the eyes of God. And it shows us the severity of how serious God takes this stuff. Of how serious Christ was when he said that loving your neighbor is of equal value, equal weight to loving God himself. And y'all say, well, Jerry, I love my neighbors right i don't hurt anybody i don't i don't mistreat anybody and i hope that you don't <laughs> i hope that you don't but do we truly love all of those that we encounter on a daily basis do we truly love everybody that we encounter on a daily basis how do we respond to those who are created in the very likeness of god as we go about our daily business in our in our lives ask yourself this and don't don't shout it out <laughs> but maybe you want to write this I'm gonna ask you a question maybe you want to write it down probably not here but maybe you want to write it down later because it's, it's it's a serious question that we need to ask ourselves but who are the sorts of everyday people who are the sorts of everyday folks that I run into maybe at my job at my workplace at my school wherever who are the sorts of people that just rub me the wrong way what qualities do these people have we start thinking about that we see that list of loving our neighbors start to decrease if we're honest with ourselves because we've all got them all got them i ain't perfect i'm trying to beat nobody up we're all guilty 
what are the qualities of these people that rub us the wrong way throughout the, throughout the day? What about them makes it difficult for me to answer the question, how do I treat people? What is it about this person? Sometimes it's groups of people. What is it about this person or this group of people that rubs me the wrong way? What makes, what is it about them that makes it a little difficult for me to answer, how did I treat people today? Because at the end of the day, literally at the end of the day, that should be the one question we're asking ourselves. How did I treat people today? Because that's what Christ cares about. That's what God cares about. It's right there in our scriptures. And this is the challenge that Jesus presents to us in our reading from the Gospel of Mark. This is what we're calling the Jesus Creed. Because you see, oftentimes the idea, again, we all think we love our neighbors, but a lot of times the idea of loving our neighbors clashes with reality. The real challenge we have in living our call to love other people are those people that just went through your heads. That's our challenge. Loving all those folks that y'all just thought of and how we do that. I think the answer to that lies in the words of what we're calling the Jesus Creed. And we're going to repeat that together in a few minutes. But I think the answer to that lies in writing those words. We all know what the Apostles' Creed is, as good Methodists. We used to repeat that every Sunday. Well, the Apostles' Creed is not just, it's not just, we call it our affirmation of faith. A lot of times I'll say, hey, let's get up and open to page 881 and let's, let's recite our affirmation of faith. But the Apostles' Creed is also a prayer. It's not just a statement of faith. It is a statement of faith, but it's also a prayer that we offer to God. We offer it, you know, when we do it together as a congregation, as a, as a congregation, as the body of Christ. Sometimes I pray the Apostles' Prayer when I'm by myself, because that's exactly what it is. It's, it's something that I'm offering. It's an act of worship that I'm offering to God, and that makes it, that makes it a prayer. And that's how I look at the words that we find in today's Scripture. It's also a prayer. If the Apostles' Creed is a prayer of faith, then the Jesus Creed is a prayer of action, or it's a statement of action. It's a call to action that prompts us out to live our calling as Christians. We are faced with answering that one question every day, at the end of the day, as the church, not just the Brox United Methodist Church, but as the body of Christ, the global body of Christ. We're called to answer that question every day as the church and as individuals, how did I treat people? Even the difficult ones, even the ones that I don't like. I believe that God can and will use these scriptures to change our hearts and to start looking at these people differently if we allow him to do that because that's what scripture is there for. You know, a lot of the times we approach, here's the, here's the thing about scripture. And I'm guilty of it just as, just as anybody else. But a lot of times when we approach Scripture, we are approaching it to get an education. We are approaching it to, 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 to grasp a meaning of something. Or we're approaching it to get, to get facts. 
Let me ask you all this. Are, generally, when we're reading Scripture, when you read Scripture, are you trying to get education or are you trying to get transformation? Because that's what the purpose of Scripture primarily is for. Scripture is God's Word to us. We, that's, that's something we've professed for thousands of years now. We believe that Scripture, although there's variances of, 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 of uh, differences in, in beliefs, all of us believe that Scripture is the literal Word of God for His people. And that is, as far as I'm concerned, its primary purpose is to transform us. It's okay to get into, you know, it's where we get our doctrines and our theology and all that good stuff from, and that's fine. That's great. I love that stuff too. Primarily, though, when we approach Scripture, this is God speaking to us. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through what we call the Word of God. Are we approaching Scripture for transformational purposes? Because that's what it does to us. I believe the words that we're reading out of the Gospel of Mark will transform us and lead us in this direction if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to do that for us. That's the key, and I can't teach anybody how to do that. I can't teach myself how to do that. The key is learning to submit to God's Word, allowing Him to transform us from the inside out. So we've gone over the seriousness of this and, and how serious Christ takes this. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you guys to start, and I've done this before and I slacked off on it and I, and I did tell a difference back then. I want you guys to try to start incorporating this into your prayer lives. And no, this isn't generally somewhere so the, gen, the general way that we pray, but it is a prayer. Much like the Apostles' Creed is a prayer. We don't repeat the Nicene Creed, but that's another one. All of these things are prayer offered to God. And I believe that if we pray this scripture to God with a willingness to submit to, submit to his will, he will change us. And he will, he will change our hearts from the inside out. We're going to start caring a little bit more for those people that rub us the wrong way. All these people that we bump into who we think are an inconvenience, we're going to start looking at them differently. We're going to start responding to them differently. But it takes that willingness. And again, I can't I can't teach that to people. I can't teach it to myself, much less anybody else. But I believe if you try this, you'll start seeing that. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Incorporate this Jesus Creed into your prayer lives. Again, you're going to find it in Mark 12. I think it's actually 29 through 31. We started in 28. Yeah, it starts in 29 through 31. And pray this prayer. Pray it in the morning when you get up. Pray it in the evening. Jesus did. Jesus would have done this. Embrace those rhythms, those sacred prayer rhythms. Do it throughout the day whenever you think of it and see if your life, if your mind, your heart doesn't start changing a little bit. I'm going to teach it to you real quick. And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get on. I know everybody's hot. But I want y'all to repeat it after me together as a congregation. It goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And with all of your soul. And with all of your mind. And with all of your strength, all of your strength. 
The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I think if you do that, you're going to see a change. I think you're going to change morally. I think it'll again make us more alert to the people in our lives who are our neighbors, which is absolutely everybody that we encounter. Whether it's our family or the dude that we're standing behind at the convenience store. It's going to alert us to be responsive to our neighbors and their needs. And we're going to learn that loving God and loving our neighbor with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is always, always, always inconvenient. It doesn't happen on our time schedule. But I believe it'll do this for us. Y'all pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of Christ. We thank you for your commands to love God and love neighbor with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to embrace these words of Jesus. Help us to see those that rub us the wrong way with different eyes and with different hearts. May we glorify Christ. May we embrace the character of Christ that we are called to embrace as your disciples, that you might be glorified and that others may see you through us. This we pray in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.